0: Greetings Retreat Church, it's good to be back with you again today even though it's continuing to be this way and uh, meeting together online. Last night we had a good board meeting via Zoom and um, also by phone and we got all that stuff in so it was good to meet with all of them and to see their faces and um, we hope that all of you are staying well through this time and uh, glad for, for you and joining us um, even though it's going to be in this way. And as we get started this morning, I want to remind you just grab your Bibles and turn to um, John chapter 12, where we're going to be hanging out today. And I trust that uh, you have your Bibles with you and you've been reading your Bibles throughout this time and staying in God's Word, keeping your heart healthy. And um, I don't like this recording. We're going to try it again. <laughs> Greetings, Retreat Church. I want to invite you to grab your Bibles and turn to John chapter 12, and uh, that we're going to be looking at several verses there, the first 19, in fact, and um, as you're turning there, I want to uh, begin our time together with a word of prayer. Father, we pray today that as we meet today, and more importantly, Lord, as we engage our hearts with you and your word, that, Lord, you would give us your grace, you would give us your mercy you would give us insight into this particular text of Scripture in such a way, Lord, that shapes the way we are living, that shapes the way we're responding to um, what is going on right now in our in our world, in our churches, in our families, Lord, in our neighborhoods. And, and Lord, I pray today for specific um, anointing on all those that may be sick today, all those that are scared today, all those, Lord, that... Um, are having financial difficulties due to um, the coronavirus. Father, we want to be better on the other end of this than we were in the beginning. And Father, we want to represent you well during this time as your people who have hope, who have um, joy, who have happiness in their heart, Lord. And we can face these trials because of the power that you place within us to do so. We know, Lord, that you are ultimately in control. We know, Lord, that um, you set limits to things. We know, Lord, that you guide things. And Father, you're with us. Most importantly, Lord, you are with us during times of struggle. You are with us when we're afraid. You're with us when we're sick. You're with us, Lord, when we're confused. And so, Father, we thank you for that today. And um, as we jump in... This is the greatest time of the year for the church, isn't it? The greatest time of the year. This is when we begin to, to look and really focus on the central fact of the Christian faith. The central fact. Not the central concept, the central idea, the central notion, the central belief, but the central fact. And that fact is that Jesus is indeed alive. That Jesus is indeed resurrected. That Jesus has indeed made it through death to the other side and to life. And He's broken those barriers for all of us as we follow Jesus. We are not following Him necessarily in in being a moral person. We are not following Him necessarily in such a way to fulfill all of our dreams. But we are following Him in such a way that we are going to move through death to life. And if you've ever thought that Easter and and this weekend, um, Palm Sunday, is anything other than that, then I pray that God redirects you, um, maybe even through this message today. But one of my ongoing prayers is the prayer for understanding the activity of God Understanding what exactly God is doing, and sometimes those those things are much bigger than me, much greater than me. But I have this kind of internal—I don't know if we'd call it a fear or a concern—but but this this ongoing kind of idea or thought in the forefront of my mind as I read Scripture, as I notice that that all throughout history, God's people were always kind of confused concerning what God was really doing, and they fail to see kind of the bigger picture sometimes, and, and we become afraid, and we become um, self-focused, and um, I think we miss out on so much that God wants to do, and, and during this time in the first century when Jesus enters Jerusalem um, On the final week of His earthly ministry, God is doing such great things, such amazing things that those that were viewing them didn't really have a firm grasp on. They would later, however, and then when they would begin to reflect and reflect upon their Old Testament passages, and all of that would start to come to light for them in view uh, or in light of the resurrection of Christ. And the resurrection of Jesus brought an understanding and an explanation to all of the things God had been doing in the Old Testament. And clarity started to come to the people of God through the lens of Of the resurrected Jesus. And so um, when we begin now to look at John chapter 12, we notice that what was immediately on their mind, what was immediately on the people that were there with Jesus in this moment, the night before what we call Palm Sunday. The night before, see the people that were loving Jesus, following Jesus, they were throwing Jesus a party. That's what they were doing. They were literally throwing him a party because he had raised their loved one Lazarus from the dead. He had raised him from the dead and so that they were going to throw him a dinner. And as they were throwing him a dinner, Jesus had such Um, focus on his mind Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do Jesus knew exactly why he was the next day going to go into Jerusalem he knew where it was going to take him and as Jesus was embracing this party embracing this thank you he was also operating on a whole other level And it's on that level that I believe that the people of God, this side of the resurrection, should always be operating. We should always be operating on the level in which Jesus is operating in our world. We should not turn a a, a pandemic into a time of panic. We should not do that. We should not... um, live in this notion of fear we should not live in this notion of that we think this is the end of us this is not going to be the end of our local church this is not going to be the end of many things that we have come accustomed to we just need to hold on through this time and we need to reengage with Jesus. We need to reengage in our response to him. So as I am challenging you this morning to kind of look at this time in which we are living and to ask yourself the question, what really is God doing? What really is Jesus up to? And I truly believe that if you start to view this time in our history from that perspective, I think God is going to use you in such a very, very powerful and meaningful way way. And one thing that I want to talk to you guys about this morning and I want to focus in to for just a few minutes with you today is this, your response to Jesus as we approach Easter. That's what I want you to think about. How are you responding to Jesus right now as we approach Easter? With all that is going on, With all that you're concerned with, whether it be your health, whether it be your finances, whether it be um, your children, whether it be maybe your parents or your grandparents, I believe that God wants to do something very powerfully in your life and in our church during these next few weeks. So I want us to ask this question, how am I responding to Jesus? First, I want to understand what Jesus was doing in this text. And to understand what Jesus was doing in John chapter 12, we have to go back and look real quick at Luke chapter 9. And I just want to mention that you can read that on your own. I'm not going to read that today. But in Luke chapter 9, Luke records that Jesus had turned his face towards Jerusalem. And that means that Jesus had turned his whole attention, his whole focus, That everything that Jesus was doing from that point on was geared toward what was going to happen in Jerusalem. He had literally set His face, His intention to go to Jerusalem. He also had mourned the fact that Jerusalem in those days was not experiencing the peace that came with His arrival. Jesus had arrived, the fulfillment of the promised Messiah had occurred, yet there was a lack of peace in Jerusalem. And isn't that a picture of what we are gaining today? That Jesus has indeed resurrected from the dead, but because of COVID-19 and many other things going on in our world, Jesus would look at us today, and He would look at our society, He would look at our world, and He would say, oh, that if you would only have the peace that I want you to have, the peace, because Jesus has arrived We also understand that um, in this text, Jesus came into Jerusalem riding on the colt of a donkey. We'll talk about that in just a few moments, but when Jesus came in riding on a colt of a donkey in this text, He was symbolizing his the fact that He was coming in peace, that He was coming in humility. That when a, when a king rode into a town on a donkey, everybody could just relax. Everybody could just take a big, deep breath. Now, if that particular king came riding in on a horse, that's when everybody would start to, to have a, a reason to maybe panic, reason to maybe be concerned. Because if a king came riding into your community on a horse, he would be coming to conquer you. He would be coming to destroy you. He would be coming to enslave you and entrap you. But when a king would be coming riding on a donkey, he's coming and saying, I bring peace to you. And Jesus, as He entered Jerusalem to die for our sins, He came riding on a donkey, which signified He's coming to make peace. So Jesus, with this broken heart, saying Jerusalem is not experiencing the peace that they should be experiencing because of my arrival, and then He begins to weep, and then that spirit of, of, of sadness and that spirit of focus, He's riding in, and the people are cheering, and the people are excited, but Jesus has this overwhelming sense of you're missing the point, of you're missing the peace that. Should should be yours. And so this morning, are you missing the peace that should be yours? Is Jesus looking at you and your home today? Is he looking at your heart today? Is he looking at your mind today and sees you restless and sees you anxious and sees you worried and sees you all bent out of shape? And he's saying to you, Oh, that you would have the peace that I want you to have because I've arrived. Because Jesus has arrived. One of the major truths that Jesus is getting at in this point and that He was making through His arrival, through riding on a donkey, and even previously when He had raised Lazarus from the dead, was He was emphasizing that He is the resurrection and the life. That He doesn't have it to give, but He is it. He is the source of resurrection life. He is the source of life after death. He is the source of all the peace And the joy that we could have today, that it's not found in this or that. It's not found in the ability to go buy toilet paper. It's not found in the ability to stockpile bottled water, which is the silliest thing that I think our culture is doing right now. Jesus is telling us today that He is the source of eternal life. That's His point. And if Jesus is the source of eternal life and He has arrived, then we can have peace because the source of eternal life is here among us Today, He is a resurrected giver of life. That's why He raised Lazarus from the dead. That's why He was riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. That's why He was doing all that He was doing as He set His face towards Jerusalem. Now, there were in this text seven, passage, or seven responses to Jesus. And I think you're going to pick up on them as we begin to read this text together. I pray that you have your Bibles open. John chapter 12, reading beginning in verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who he was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor he said this not because he cared about the poor but because he was a thief and have having charge of the money bag he used to help himself to what was put in it jesus said leave her alone so that she may be so she may keep it for the day of my burial for the poor you always have with you but me you do not always have So they set branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, O daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. so the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. So when we read that, you've probably noticed all of the different characters, the individuals and the groups, how they were responding to what Jesus was doing. As I said a few moments ago, Jesus was coming with His face set towards Jerusalem. He knew that His crucifixion was near. He had set His... Face towards that and fulfilling his purpose that God has placed him on the earth to fulfill. And as Jesus was moving in this direction, he, lay, he raised Lazarus from the dead to point out that indeed he was the resurrection and the life. He was sitting on a colt of a donkey, riding in, making sure they understood, I've come in peace, but yet they were missing this peace. So, out of their excitement because they had raised, Jesus, uh, raised Lazarus from the dead, they threw him a party. And in the midst of this party, people, when they knew that He was there, started to arrive, started to come in. And you see all of these different responses to Jesus. And in fact, there are seven. The first one, Martha served dinner. It's a great thing. Martha served dinner. Wonderful. The second response, Mary worshipped Jesus by anointing His feet, which Jesus said was an anointment for his burial. Do you see as she was worshiping and pouring her heart out before Christ in thanksgiving for raising Lazarus from the dead, she was doing something much greater than she really understood. By worshiping, you are doing much greater good than just your, what's going on in your own heart. The third response, Judas Iscariot. Well, He was just looking out for himself and making up stories, making up lies, making up excuses, complaining against the extravagant worship of Martha. Yet, as he was complaining about what people were doing on the outside, what he was doing on the inside was just seeking after his own good. And just immediately within these first three responses, I think you and I can tie these responses into what we see going on in our world today, in our communities. We see people serving, have a servant's heart. I believe that as time unfolds, we're going to hear some miraculous stories of servanthood amongst this crisis. We also see people worshiping the Lord. We see people worshiping the Lord in new ways. We see people worshiping the Lord in new private ways. People starting to get creative on how they can come together and worship God. But we also see people like Judas, selfish, individualized, just thinking of their own need and how they can get theirs. And then we have the fourth response. A large crowd gathered to see Jesus and Lazarus because Jesus had raised Him from the dead. They were gathering to see. They were at awe. They were were mystified. They were curious. And they were gathering to see. After Jesus came into Jerusalem, they were witnesses of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. So you had people proclaiming that Jesus had indeed done this. So there was probably some confusion. Well, did Jesus really do this? Was this some sort of stunt? Was this some sort of trick? Did He really raise Lazarus from the dead? And so you had these questions and these, these doubters and these skeptics and you had people that had seen and that had witnessed and that had participated. And all amongst this crowd, you had this witnessing taking place. The fifth response, the chief priests who were already planning to kill Jesus began planning to kill Lazarus as well. See, for them, they had seen Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. They, they witnessed that. They were, they, they were part of that. They willingly and they understood it and they knew it. Yet their response to somebody being raised from the dead was to kill the one who did it. Because they were so selfish. They were so focused on their own popularity. They were so focused on the people listening and following them that they would actually put to death one that had raised another from the dead. Many today say that, oh, I would have believed in Jesus if I was there when He raised Lazarus from the dead. No, you would not. No, you would not. If you have no intent on following Jesus, even the people of Jesus' day that saw Him raise the dead... Rejected him nonetheless. You also have the response of Lazarus. Lazarus was leading people to Jesus. Lazarus is the one that had received life, Lazarus is the one that had received restoration and healing. And they were coming to see him, and what was he doing? He was leading people to Jesus. And then you have the seventh response. Jesus' disciples were confused. Isn't that typical of us that follow Jesus? Sometimes we're we're confused. (laughs) They didn't know. There's this party, there's this crowd, there's Lazarus and the chief priest, and they're thinking, what does this mean? And this is honestly where I find myself. I find myself with these disciples going, what does this mean? What is Jesus doing? What is God up to? I, I know it's something amazing. I know it's something life-changing. I know it's something that is, that's going to change the world. I know that. But I don't know quite what it is, and I don't quite understand it. And so I want to listen very carefully, very intently to what the Lord is saying to us today. And when Jesus was raised from the dead and glorified, the disciples then started to get it. They were like, oh, so that's what they were doing. So John is writing. Remember, John was writing after he understood. So John had understanding and then he reflected back upon this time where he didn't understand. And he makes this statement. We didn't know what was happening at the time. We were confused at the time. But Jesus had resurrected and now we understand because we have believed in Him as the resurrection power. We believe in Him as the life giver. And as we believe in Him as the life giver, He has come into us and His Holy Spirit has indwelt us and He's given us understanding. There's no more need to go crazy. There's no more need to get frantic. There's no more need to panic. There's no need to worry because Jesus has given us life. And John is writing from that perspective. And I've been saying that there's seven, but I've got to be honest, I noticed another one as I was reading this that I had missed when taking my notes, and and it is it is this the last part you'll notice in the text that the Pharisees were arguing, and they were blaming each other for not being effective in steering people away from Jesus. You see, the Pharisees were just arguing blaming each other you're you're so ineffective. (laughs) you're 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 not getting anything done you're just wasting time and you know it doesn't take us long today in the middle of this pandemic in the middle of this crisis when when people are are hurting and are confused it doesn't take but about five minutes to turn on the local news and see somebody blaming something for something and i believe that the church of jesus christ at this point is to rise up amongst the confusion And stop the blaming. And start looking. Looking to the life giver. Looking to the one that is saying, I'm here, you can rest. I'm here, you can have peace. And so my challenge to you, as you reflect upon this passage in your homes, is this. May your response to Jesus cause others to turn to Him as the only source of life. I pray that's the way you're handling this. I pray that's the way you're spending time in your home. I pray that this is what you are modeling for your children. I pray this is the the message that you are sending out across social media, that you are responding to Jesus in a way that will help people respond to Him as the only source of life. Father, we pray today your blessing. Lord, upon your people that they would rise up in a sense of peace, in a sense of humility like you did, that Lord, as you set your face towards Jerusalem and humbled yourself, you were also broken because people were missing out on peace. And so, Father, today I pray for each and every person that hears this message that you restore their peace through your presence, restore your peace through your presence May they sense you this morning as they are turning to your word. May they sense you this morning, Father, when they pray and consider the things that you have for them. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll see you next time.